Ladies and gentlemen, we're shoveling. This is the growing season brought to you by News Talk. Talk at 9.60 a.m. I'm Matt McFarland, one of three McFarlands that you'll hear today. And as usual, Mom and Dad, Jack and Lynn, John, Francis, James and Lynn Marie join me. Mom, Dad, how are you guys doing? Matthew, I'm doing absolutely horrible. All right. There you go. That's a change. Changing the script. That's it. That's it. But you're probably doing well. We are continuing. Yeah. And Mom, you? I'm doing fine, Matt. Good. We are continuing along the uh, path of lockdown here. Now, by all accounts, apparently the numbers are beginning to come down. And uh, at some point soon, hopefully we'll be able to get on back on live mics. But we're continuing in the in the vein of weird here. We've covered uh, weird trees, which we called Untrelievable. Then the then last week we actually did Strange Bud True, which was all the weird flowers and such all across the. Uh, well, all across the globe, right? So we had Venus flytrap, we had uh, the sundews, or in my case, the sun don't. And this week, we're going to be chatting about <laughs> weird fruits and vegetables. Now, you might think that there's no content here, but yet, when you start to hear some of this stuff, it's fantastic. I heard rumors about uh, you're not allowed to have certain fruits on a bus because of the smell. Is that is that what I heard, guys? Yeah. Yes, that's yes. true, Matthew. Yeah. yeah. Now, growing- I don't know if the smell is if the fruit is cut open. Or if it's whole, I know cut open, that would definitely be stinky. So if it, if the fruit smells that bad, not rotten, what does it smell like when it's rotten? Ooh, I don't know, Matthew. They, they talk about it has to be ripe in order to get the, <laughs> the maximum benefit of the smell, I think. Okay, yeah. great. Okay, so you def- you're definitely going to want to use Showbits for this, growingseasoncanada.com. Click on Showbits. That's your visual accompaniment to the show. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. This week, we're continuing with weird, but this is stuff that that you can actually eat, whereas last week it was stuff that, if it got big enough, it could eat you. And this is the growing season right here on News Talk. Let's talk at 960 AM. And we're back. The growing season on News Talks, like a 9.60 a.m. As I made mention, follow along with us using Showbits. That's the, bi- the, the visual. Jeez. It's the visual accompaniment to the show. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Showbits. Okay. Guys, how did we stumble on this? How did this happen? Why did we slip into the, <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle of weirdness here? Well, Matthew, it's just that everything out there has a, a certain way of of being okay, and so there are so many plants out there that are, say, poisonous, or there's so many plants out there that are are unique or different, and because of the growing environment that they're in, they're even more unique and more different. And who was it, you guys, that be- that that kicked this whole weirdathon off? <laughs> was it yes, you? Yes, I think so. Okay. Yeah, we just Dad loves in the evenings to scroll through. He goes on safari, yep. and he got, starts looking at really weird plants, yep. like really weird plants. And then he'll show them to me, and then I'll say, well, yeah, but, you know, Venus flytrap. Like, he just loves to look at plants. So he started looking at some of these plants, and he's just like, these are really weird. You know, maybe we should do a show on this. And, you know, it, it, it becomes a sickness, this whole horticulture thing, because... About once or twice a week, I like a really good long soak in the bathtub. And I usually bring an alcoholic beverage with me, whether it's a beer or a glass of whiskey, and I just lay in the tub. I love it. It's therapeutic. It's What I find now is I bring the phone in with me, and I'm just sitting there researching plant materials for designs. I have <laughs> a lot of landscape designs in the queue. In fact, one recently came in from lovely Scotland. So this is, the growing season has gone international. I have been asked to design a yard, a property, from some listeners of the growing season who are listening to the podcast version of our lovely show here in the Scotland region, actually Portobello, Scotland, which is actually, it's, I would say it's coastal. It's, it, this would be, there are beaches close by. So zone-wise, they're warmer than us. They're, yeah, this is a zone nine. We're getting into a zone nine A. So what I do is I'll go and run the tub, lay in the tub, and just research. Now, the backyard is typical UK backyard, so it's, it's quite small, 20 by 20, okay? So you're talking a 400-square-foot backyard, maybe a little bit bigger than that. But on this list that I have now accumulated, there might be 45 or 50 different <laughs> plant materials. So <laughs> definitely not getting that in there, but I always like to be over-equipped when it comes to plant materials. 
you were making mention, Mom, that Dad, in an evening, he'll sit down and begin to research stuff, and you easily, Dad, you fall down a rabbit hole, whether it be researching plants for a design or whether it be researching for the show. And I will tell you, and this is not in any way a a knock against my schooling, but I have learned more in the year plus that we've done the growing season than I did in conventional school as and, and especially college when it came to horticulture. And maybe too, it's because you want to learn it. Do you know what I'm saying, guys? Like when there is a need to learn it for school, you have less invested in that when it's the, than when it's just recreational. I find that I learn way more recreationally than I would say in a in a in a scholastic setting. Yes, sure. But don't you find it too, Matthew, that sometimes it's like going back to school and writing an exam every week? Sometimes it <laughs> feels like that. Week? Yeah, it does. It feels like that, and I think that one of the reasons why the design end of things and the construction end of things is so busy for us is because you have a listenership that hears us on the radio and they hear the level of research that we go to when it comes to trying to put together information for this show, right? So our listenership is able to hear the fact that, you know, we're digging this deep into different topics. It's, it's fantastic. And again, at the end of the week, there is a mental exhaustion that is unparalleled. Do you know what, Matthew? I find that more so, say, after we do the show tonight, actually, if you want to know the truth. What do you mean? Well, I find I'm more exhausted, like, after we do the show, like today, let's right. say, than so I what, would normally on, after the, up the information or researching or anything. Really? So what, on, after the night of recording, you are, you are more tired? You just crash, yes. Really? Huh. So I guess your brain is really busy or something. Yeah. But, yeah. But Matt, we have a lot to cover here. Maybe we should move on. Yep, absolutely. So okay, Matt. so now it, one of the notes here off the top, and this is, this is something that I really wanted to touch on with you guys because this is, in, in a lot of ways, a revelation. Your notes off the top here, the very, very first line, it says, most plants are poisonous. Explain that. That's a <laughs> like. Uh, I'm afraid to go to the grocery store, guys. <laughs> we looked up further, and it said that on Earth right now there are 400,000 plant species. Okay. Of the 400,000 plant species, 300,000 we could eat. We don't, but we could. But this is going back to when we were not farming and foraging for food, and this is how we determined what we should grow and eat and what we shouldn't, I guess we'd be just wandering around in the forest or the fields and one of the tribe would pick up a leaf and eat it and die. And they're like, okay, we know to stay away from that one. And, and mom, mom, this is one of the things, by the way, this, this segment on the show is called Hursery with Lynn McFarland because she's just basically outlining the history for us. But mom, this is, I've said this all the way along. Like, who's the first? Who's the first to be like, because at some point you have to have one of your tribe or one of your people eat that. And then something goes horrendously wrong well i wouldn't want to be that person right but what i'm saying is like all joking aside lives have been many lives were lost discovering that a strawberry was good to eat but deadly nightshade wasn't it was observation uh you know they would see that one tribe member okay let's not take it to the worst case scenario but got quite sick eating that particular plant that's got big broad leaves edged in purple don't eat that and gradually through observation they learned well what's edible and what's not so wait a minute so what's the rule of thumb what's the rule of thumb as far as something being poisonous well here's a very <laughs> I, 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 I want to say the word crude but here's a, a very don't take this as carved in stone with a grain of salt yeah how to identify poisonous plants okay don't eat a plant if it has milky sap, naturally shiny leaves, plants that bear or have yellow or white berries, or umbrella-shaped plants, okay? Now, don't go into the woods and say, well, you know, Lynn from the growing season said this, this, and this, so everything else is safe to eat. No, it's not. But this is just kind of a crude guideline. <laughs> a crude okay. guideline. Okay, so again, you guys, are, you guys are bringing the heat, man. You guys got to get your flame retardant suits on here because the first little article of information that you've given me here today is most plants are poisonous now you're bringing me the here's the four basic rules mom quickly give them to us again because this is (laughs) this is really important stuff okay 
uh, don't eat plants with milky sap. Yep. Naturally shiny leaves. Yeah. So, you know, something that's on the ground that's shiny, even yeah. if it's in the shade. Poison yeah. ivy. <laughs> yeah, poison ivy, poison oak. Okay. Plants with yellow or white berries. Yeah. And umbrella-shaped plants. Now, yet this milky sap thing, dandelions have it, and yet every part of the dandelion is edible. So, again, this is just a crude it's a crude list. Like, I wouldn't eat anything unless you can identify it. So, anyways, Matt, everything in nature is basically, okay, as far as growing and getting to size and so forth, producing fruit, it's all about location, diversity, say, access to resources and so forth, and even spacing. So, Matt, when humans have a real problem with spacing. Okay, so when you go and you put flowers in or you put trees or shrubs in, and it tells you a desired space to put these various plants in, what does it mean? Well, first of all, actually, this is a wonderful little insight. So the growing season drafts or designs their plant materials at 60% of size. And the reason is, and I, I was never taught this in school, this is a, this is a Yoda, yes, this is a Jack McFarland thing, to draft your plant materials at 60% full size. So for instance, let's say that your tree is going to get 20 feet at the base. Okay, so 60% of full size would be what, Dad? 12, 12, 13 feet? Yep. Okay, yep. so when we go to draft, we draft everything at 60% size. And I remember Dad saying this to me, and I was like, wait a minute, what? Why? Dad, why do we do this? Because, Matthew, you've got to remember that everything is going to grow. And therefore, if you put it in at full size, it's going to look like you've put absolutely nothing on the plant, okay? Yeah. And so if you take a tree that's 30 feet across and you use your scale... And you go and you put it on the on your on your paper or on your on your computer, and you all of a sudden you put a tree that's twenty five feet across. It's going to look like you can only put four or five items on the on the entire plant. Right. So you've got to be able to look to the future. So you're going to have to realize that something is going to grow to twenty five feet, but it's not going to be at twenty five feet when you purchase it. Okay, right. that's the big thing. Right. And that, but humans for the most part have a real problem with this spacing thing. Okay, like they just don't seem to catch on. And Matt, I, I was giving some thought, and I thought, well, in the end, I, I thought maybe this might explain it really well. Spacing is not the final frontier. Us McFarlane seek strange new plants and go where most gardeners have never gone before. <laughs> okay. All right. So okay. I, might, I might try to slip in a little bit of the Star Trek theme there. I get it. But I'm, I'm going to have to end up playing it myself. Otherwise, we're going to get sued. Okay, even though Mr. Gene Roddenberry's dead, I'm sure he's got people watching up. But well played, sir. We're going to call you Captain Kirk for the rest of the show, okay? <laughs> okay, Matt, this is a good question for you. So yep. let's hit fruit off the top, okay? Yep. So what would you say was the uh, original fruit on Earth that was cultivated by man? Oh, easy, figs. Okay, and how long ago, roughly? Uh... Oh, quit looking at your notes. <laughs> okay. It, uh, sorry, I'm not looking at my notes, so I wouldn't know that it would be 10,000 years. No. Oh. Actually, 11,400. Oh. And, and then bananas are next, around 10,000 years, Matthew. Right. Okay. Now, the okay. fig, we've talked about this in the past. This is a, <laughs> what you're eating here, ladies and gentlemen, is an embryonic flower, essentially. Yes? It's inverted, yeah. Yeah, it's an inverted flower. And how that flower becomes a flower is the fig wasp so not to not to freak you out but what ends up happening is a wasp that has been obviously flying around amongst other flowers has got pollen on its little hairs on its legs and it burrows into the fig dad and that pollen basically pollinates this fig Yes? Yes, that's exactly right. So, And then eventually what happens is that the juices from the interior portion of the fig will actually break down the actual physical body of the little fig wasp. Now, that's why you never see it in there. But there have been tales of crunching, right? Of, I think it's the seeds. Okay, because I was always under the impression that it wasn't the seeds, it was the carcass you're eating a wasp carcass. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I like figs. I don't remember ever seeing a wasp leg in my fig. No, no. I don't remember that either. No. But, but Matt, in the wild, everything is, again, diversity, location, and so forth, and the conditions in which they are located. 
and everything will respond accordingly. And it, it, again, Matt, spacing is important. And in, in the wild, of course, what they will do is they don't want to be too close to another tree. They will have their, their offspring get spread further out from them so they're not actually physically growing underneath them themselves. Their size varies, Matt, according to wherever they're located and so forth. And they always generally like to, you know, they kind of hang out in similar groups because pollination, if it's done by bees and so forth, they want to be within a certain distance but dad, against space. But dad wouldn't, okay, so if they're monoecious, meaning they have one sex on each plant, spacing would become increasingly important because they have to be a certain distance apart in order to pollinate each other. Yes? You got it. So space is a big number one item going on there as well, Matt. Okay. Of course, the, the, the resources, the water, the, the food that they can get, and everything else. Remember, reproduction is always the last step, okay, in their, in their, in their lifespan okay, their, or their life existence. But, Maddie, let's go initially to jackfruit, if you don't mind. Yeah, and we like, we here, we like jackfruit. This is one of yeah. our favorite fruits. Well, mostly because uh, jackfruit, contrary to certain reports jackfruit was named after yoda yes it was named after my father and that's, yes. his name is matthew <laughs> matt fruit wow. you're the you're the fruit of jack <laughs> i was gonna say my kids are the fruit of matt anyway you dirtbags okay jackfruit this one is this is weird because this falls into the same category and i might be wrong here it looks like it's the same family as breadfruit it's exactly mm-hmm. the same family as breadfruit. Okay. Artocarpus, it is, Matthew. So, yes, it's the same family. And there's a Latin alert, by the way. Thank you for that, Dad. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. So then, okay, because I all, and for me, I looked at breadfruit and always thought breadfruit was just an unripened coconut. <laughs> right? It just, <laughs> no. it just looked like, oh, cool, it's up there in the tree. It has to be a coconut. Everything's a coconut. But you know what, Matthew? What's really cool about it is that the, they have approximately just a, a mature tree, but not really an older tree. They have about 200 fruit per tree. And how much weight, how much weight would they have, Lynn? Well, the, the fruit is about 60 centimeters long, two feet. And on the low end, they can weigh 18 kilograms. That's 40 pounds. And you wouldn't want that dropping on your head. And it's actually a pod. Okay, hold That's on a second. Wait a minute. What you're saying is that the fruit, each breadfruit, or each, sorry, each jackfruit weighs 40 pounds? Yes. Mom, Mom is actually hitting it on the light side, Matthew. In actuality, it's actually 55 kilos and 120 pounds. The, there's a beer keg hanging from the tree. Yeah, yeah. and it's like a small human. Yeah, <laughs> okay. trees, you definitely right? don't want one of those falling on your head. Do, do these things routinely fall on people? You know what, Matthew? It's really strange. If you look at the way they hang down from the tree, they're generally not out, again, they're, the weight, they're not really far out on the branches per se. Yeah. So they're in closer to the interior portion of the branches and yeah. down the trunk itself. I'm familiar this with this concept, yes. That's a big twinkie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, Matt, as the, as the tree matures, they can get about 500 fruit. So they can be kind of a, a bit of a dangerous thing to have around. Whoa, 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 they're a tree hold on. Plenty, wait, 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 wait. Just doing some quick math here. 150 pounds times 500. 120 pounds. Sorry, 120 pounds times 500 gives you... <laughs> there is 60,000 pounds of fruit on this tree. Yeah, yeah. a little on the yeah. dangerous side. The tree of plenty. <laughs> and you know that the fruit, uh, it can even be used as, um, as a meat substitute. In fact, it can be used as something like... Um, for meat such as pulled pork. And when slavery was big in the Caribbean, so I'll say 200 years ago, because the trees give so much fruit and it's cheap, it was used as slave uh, food for the slaves. This is nuts. <laughs> I know, Matt. And again, you think about it for a minute. They grow in zones 10 through 12, so they're never going to grow around here, right? Right. But uh, they're basically the overripe fruit, as they, they, they say it has a strong, fruity odor and a sweet, pungent taste. But on the other hand, most of the time they say what, Lynn? Well, most of the time it's, they say it, it has the flavor of apples and bananas mixed together. But it has a strong and stinky smell when it's ripe. If the smell is like this. It smells like bubble gum combined with pineapples, bananas, and rotten onions. Okay. Now, wasn't it last week, Mom... At the tail end of the show, because we 
because we white knuckle it right to the end because there's so much information that now the extra of the show is just becoming another segment all on its own. But you said it was some bloated possum vomiting in a dumpster that's on fire surrounded by a, a, a garbage truck. Who is describing these things? But, I guess people that smell the fruit or I, I don't know. I don't know who is describing it. But is jackfruit one of the fruits that's banned on public transit yes. in some, yes. some Asian countries because of the smell? Now, they didn't say if the fruit was open, like, you know, you'd already open it up and you're eating it, or if it was closed or if it's only when it's super ripe. But, yeah, you, they don't want you taking it on buses or taxis because of the stink. And you boil this thing. Yeah, it can be. And Matt, get this. It's really high in calories, okay? So it's 155 calories per cup. It's also oh. high in fiber. And they say it helps with digestion and metabolism. And on, in the end, it makes you poop, okay? So I think it would make me puke before it would make me poop, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's very healthy for you. It's rich in vitamins and antioxidants and that if you can get past the smell. That's unreal. Great for insomnia. Yeah. It's great. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you spend so much time running from it that you're tired and you just fall asleep. Yes? Sure. Okay. So on my notes here, you have something called uh, Durian Durian. This looks like Duran Duran, the 80s new wave group. Sure. What (laughs) What is Durian? So, Matt... Durian is basically part of the Malvasi family. Do anything in the Malvasi family? Malva. Malva. Uh, any of the mallows or uh, prairie mallows and, yeah. and on so forth. And also uh, your friend uh, Hibiscus syriacus would probably be related. Oh, also Rosea must be related as yeah. well. So they're all part of the Malvasi family, Matthew. Okay. And this thing I comes think, from think- Indonesia. Okay, by the way, if you are looking for the best, the best coffee beans... There's a region in Indonesia called the Sumatran Islands, and the coffee from Sumatra is second to none. Absolutely awesome, right? So you would hope that the Rose of Sharon, part of the Malbasi family, would, would, would be taking a cue from its Sumatran cousins and being better, just being a better plant. <laughs> better plant. <laughs> just be better, man. Uh, yeah. But Matt, here, here's a talk about diversity and wanting to grow in certain environments and so forth. Well, you take the jackfruit, for instance, it doesn't really like to get its feet wet. It like, doesn't like too much water. Right. But on the other hand, durian absolutely loves it. They say 75 to 80 percent humidity and it will grow in temperatures that it would prefer, say, 24 to 32 degrees Celsius. But get this, Matthew, it likes an annual rainfall. Of fifteen hundred meters, millimeters. Oh no, mil. Oh, my. I was going to say meters. Oh, yes. Okay. What did I say? You, you said, said meters. Meters. <laughs> That's really bad. That's <laughs> yeah. a flood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be down there with the Titanic, by the way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a lot of rainfall. That's uh, okay. And according to what you're saying, too, this thing also smells. The fruit stinks. Yes. It's okay. If you were to taste it, supposedly it tastes sweet and creamy, and it's supposed to have subtle hints of chives mixed with powdered sugar, and it tastes like diced garlic and caramel poured over whipped cream. Yum. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, it is very smelly. In fact, this is one of the fruits that is... um, when it when it gets really stinky, it uh, smells like rotten onions, turpentine, and raw sewage. So if you're riding on public transit or in a cab in Thailand, Japan, or Hong Kong, or even Singapore, this fruit is banned. You cannot get in the cab if you have this fruit with you. Okay. All right. All right. So okay. bad. As a race, how did we get to 2021? In that, if this is your only food source... How could you possibly be eating this? Like it, none of the, So you've now we're, we're now two for two on these things smelling like complete garbage. I couldn't get anywhere near this stuff. But you know what? Your your aunt May actually likes durian, Matt. Yeah, I think it's an acquired. Well, I'm not going to even say an acquired taste. Uh, like oysters. I think, I think oh, that don't even. People, oh. I think some people to some people it tastes good. For instance, I do not like coffee. Yeah. The rest of my family love it. They can't figure out why I don't. But to me, I do not like the taste. And that would be the same with durian. There's people out there that like the taste. Now, but hold on a second here. Hold on. There is a major difference between the taste of coffee, which I agree at first 
taken on its own. That takes a bit of getting used to. To what did you say? There was turpentine involved in this uh, and raw, raw sewage. sewage. Listen, yeah, yeah, rotten onions. Yeah, I have no interest in eating anybody's in eating the results of anybody's dinner from last night. Okay, raw sewage is just not on the no. on the menu here. Okay, there's a major difference between the taste of coffee and the taste of raw sewage. But wait a minute, Matthew. Just get this for an instance. It is high in vitamin D. See, it's got great minerals, healthy fats, and fiber, and you just have to get over the smell, and otherwise you're good to go. Yeah, but it's also <laughs> high in vitamin P as well. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess if it was the only thing out there and you were hungry, right. I guess, you know. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. On the other side, we're going to continue down the, the fruits that uh, you probably eat if you're starving to death, but uh, do not want to eat. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. Uh, more undelectable things to eat on the growing season right here on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. of the growing season on News Talks, like a 9.60 a.m., but you already know that because everybody's tuning in. Actually, by the numbers, a lot of people tuning in. It's fantastic. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Show Bits. It's the visual accompaniment to the show, and uh, we informed you of two fruits in the prior segment that you will not want to eat, and I made mention to Pops and Mom on the uh, commercial break there, hey, can we get into some stuff that... (laughs) It's actually delectable. Let's do this. And they said, well, let's get into some citrus stuff. Buddha's hand, again, does not sound very delectable. Now, granted, I've never met Buddha. Many of us haven't, but he seemed like he was a very nice person. Why is this thing called Buddha's hand? Because it actually has digits, and it looks like the hand on Buddha, okay? Okay. And and that's why. But, Matthew, I don't know if you've ever seen it in the store. It's a, it's a, it's a looks like a bunch of fingers. Okay. And it's kind of yellow, and it's uh, it's a bizarre shaped looking plant. The, the fruit on on the whole, Matthew, it doesn't really have juice inside, and it doesn't have seeds. So here's a question for you: So how's it pollinated? It doesn't have seeds inside. So how would they reproduce? It's right. got to be to do with flower. Yeah. Um. But it doesn't have seeds. Does it have that? Does it have some manner of like a a catkin or something that blows off the tree and finds its way to the ground? No, it's Matthew. It's pollinated by everything, day, night, doesn't matter. It's pollinated all the time. So it's called open pollination. That means anything and everything will pollinate it. But Matt, it's self fertile. Okay, Can that I, hold means on a this- it's got no juice inside this. No juice. No seeds. So what's it look like on the inside? The inside is kind of a white, is whitish pulp-looking material with a yellow outside. It, it, this, the color is a very yellowish-looking, almost like lemon. But, Matt, it's used for, for like, you, you would shave it for the, the rind, okay, for salads or for salad dressings or anything else, that you, you know, zesting, okay, that kind of idea. Okay. And yet people, like salad toppers, anything else, vinaigrettes that sometimes people will do, and I even heard that you can freeze it, okay, and then it'll thaw them for minutes and in a few minutes, and then people will even candy it into, like, candied fruit, or they even make cookies out of it. So they say it's very good, Matthew, but it's just one of those really bizarre ones. Now, okay, so it's pollinated by everything, uh, monoaceous or dioaceous? Doesn't matter. It's self. It's self fertile. As long as you realize that the flower both has, the, it has the pollen and the sperm. It's ready to go, Matthew. So that means that anything and everything that would come by, I would imagine that if it's open pollinated, that would mean it would all, even the the wind would be involved as well. Just think about it, Matt. What is an heirloom seed? What is it? An heirloom seed is the is the the first, isn't it? Like the, the one of the old varieties. Yes. So an heirloom seed is basically 
it's again it's called open pollination so it's basically pollinated from by almost everything but it also it has similar traits to the parent okay yeah. so the offspring would have similar traits to the parent so it could have good traits so let's say something fairly old that people have been passing around from generation to generation or old varieties that have been come, come to light again these all will necessarily will, won't be having to be genetically modified because they're already good to begin with. And so that's why you're seeing a lot of these heirloom stuff showing up all over the place these days because people want something that is different but also has history to it. I think so, it's kind of cool, man. So are, are you suggesting that this Buddha's hand, w- would this tree be considered promiscuous in that it's easy, it's pollinated by everything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. Hey, by the way, if you go near the Buddha's hand, you know, if if you're a bee, <laughs> bring condoms along. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Matt, it, it grows roughly six to ten feet high. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of people will grow it in containers. I, I've heard they even can bonsai it. Okay. But Matt, it will not tolerate frost. It would not be something because it would take a, a zone of something like ten through eleven. Okay. So it will not tolerate frost. That's pretty specific zone though like it's it's it one zone that's it, it. and again you know you people grow it for you know it was originally because it was uh didn't the, the buddhist or something originally out of china or something right Lynn? the buddhists brought it to china from india huh i think yeah but yeah, again was, too with a with a zone that narrow like you'd think that it would be tough to move this thing around from location to location being that it only yeah. likes zone 10 to 11. That's it. Do you know what, Matthew? Yes, in, in a way. But just think about it. We are great at moving. This is how come we have such diversity in the world, okay? Because what we will do is we will move one seed or one plant from one zone to another all around the world. It may mean we'll have to bring some of them inside in the winter, but we're creating diversity because we're moving things from areas of the world that not, are not necessarily us. Even if they're out of zone, Matthew, just think about that. So you can take things that are completely out of zone. That's why we, we do the indoor plants, for instance, the yeah, tropicals. tropicals. Yep. Mm-hmm. We want something that is from another zone that we could never possibly grow here, and therefore we grow it inside our homes in the wintertime. But Matt, even the seeds, we, we were always sharing seeds, okay? And they did it in the past. That would happen in like the, the Silk Road and so forth, Matthew. They were, that's where all of our various weird stuff over the years came from. Seeds being traded or sold or whatever for one item or another that we need it. So that's how the things like the Aboriginal Indians got uh, things like uh, well, their corn, beans, and squash. The only things, only thing that they originally had. Well, not the only plant, but the only thing that they were growing here was squash. But then through trading, and yes, they went on long walking trading missions. Corn and beans came up from South America through Mexico. So really? in their trading missions, yeah, in their trading missions, they would trade stuff like, say, our uh, Anishinaabe people or Haudenosaunee people. They would trade things from here with Indians, say, down in the southern states that have traded things from Mexico, and that's how corn made its way up here, and and beans. Huh. Okay. Here's a big question for you, Matt. Yes, sir. So, what is the oldest cultivated vegetable on Earth? Carrots. No, not even close. Mom? The pea. The, the pea? pea is the oldest cultivated vegetable. Actually, they found um, evidence of peas in Stone Age settlements dating back to 8,000 to 10,000 years ago. I hate them. I actually don't like them either. I like, like I can eat them in something, yeah. but not on their own. No, yeah. not a big fan. Speaking of the taste, it's you, just you a weird taste. You mentioned carrots. Okay, so yeah. carrots is actually the most cultivated uh, root crop in the world. But we're because, not talking about carrots today, if that's okay. They yeah, have a but, very but, interesting story. Because I was going to say, I, I had, for me, I had assumed that it was a root crop because the root crops are able to take a wider diversity of temperature, right? Like the root crops are able to take a longer chill period. Your, your, your potatoes, your beets, your, you know, whatever they can take more of a chill period. And I thought to myself, it would be more plausible to have these root crops be one of the first because of their ability to withstand a wider array of temperatures. You take the cabbage, Matt, it can grow in zones two to 11. Two to 11? Two, so like two, isn't that almost subarctic? And yeah. eleven is subtropical. That's why, like, 
No, that's tropical. Tropical? That's why, like, in, in Northern Europe, cabbage for thousands of years was a staple of their diet, and it stores well, too, well, and it's full of vitamin C. This Buddha's hand can learn a thing or two from the cabbage, because the Buddha's hand is very much like, I only grow here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the cabbage is like, Where is wherever it? you put me, man, I don't, I don't care. I'll just grow, whatever. But, Matt, since we flipped the veggies, let's stay there for a bit, if yeah. you don't mind. Yes, sir. So, Matt, anyway, so Mom mentioned cabbage. Yeah. So let's talk about what, Lynn? The Romanesco broccoli. What? This Romanesco broccoli. This is a really cool broccoli. It kind of looks like a cauliflower. Actually, the first time I saw it in our local fruits, uh, fruits, fruit store, Garden Foods, I thought it was a cauliflower, but it's actually a broccoli. And it, it, it's kind of a chartreuse. It's kind of a light green color. And it... The, the the broccoli things are coming up. They look like little miniature Christmas trees. That's what I thought. I thought it was Christmas tree broccoli. <laughs> oh, okay. It's really, really cool. It's really on the coolest side ever, Matthew. Now, okay, now, this is first, it's the same. This is the same family as cabbage and kohlrabi. Yeah. Oh, okay. Any, any and of kale them. and cauliflower, all the brassica. Now, yeah. sprouts. This is an interesting thing, guys. Is I have only ever. Seen or eaten kohlrabi in your vegetable garden? Yeah. I have never seen kohlrabi anywhere else, but you guys had a vegetable garden when we were living out in the country on the Gore Road in the in the 80s. I have never seen kohlrabi anywhere else. Wow. You know, Matthew, I actually like the taste of it. It's, yeah, that's it's almost like kohlrabi. It's like celery heart, that kind of idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's very, very cool. And yet, it, you, guys, you guys never grew it again. After we moved, no, no, you just no. never grew again. No. no. Uh, Matt, broccoli is basically a, it's been around for about 2,000 years. Yeah. But in North America, it's only been growing for 100 years. That's it? That's it. Would that, you Dad. You wonder why, Matt. Dad, would that be one of the youngest in North America? I would imagine you're right. I think it's one of the youngest, and yet it will take areas like zones 2 through 11. So explain that to me sometime. That's what, the, yeah. And again, too, we had family friends, the Voods, for years and years, and they, I think they still supply the majority of, of the broccoli. 2,000 acres. Yeah, and it's funny because I was out grocery shopping recently, and I saw the broccoli at the grocery store, and it's surrounded by ice. And now that you're saying this, this broccoli can take 2 to 11, the Voods, the people that own this, this large broccoli plantation, they would have to ice the broccoli down in the fields. Yes? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. went to, they went to California and got the, the special equipment that you could actually have the, they could um, put ice directly into the uh, broccoli in the containers themselves, in the boxes, and then it would be able to have, they would last it probably twice as long in the coolers, Matthew. Okay, so that was the benefit. This was because I, I always, because you would tell me that they, spent X number of dollars on all these fancy icing machines in the middle of the field, but I never understood why this was, like, what is this saving you as far Longevity as... Longevity of the fruit, or in this case, of the, the actual broccoli. But Matt, it's really cool. It's actually a coal crop, a C-O-L-E crop. Do you know what a coal crop is? Uh, yeah, it's a coal. Uh, there's a, isn't it, um, it's a pitcher. It's a baseball player no oh no. Garrett Cole Garrett Cole plays for the Yankees right is that Yankee Stadium they, they sell heads of broccoli with with Yankee caps on them no oh. not at all okay. <laughs> all right anyways Matthew in the real world again uh it's it's actually a large leaf cold crop cold leaf you know cold vegetable that kind of idea so your brassica yeah. family and uh it'll also be there's even I think mustard is even actually related to it in some way I think that's through the flower because yep. broccoli makes a yellow, yellow flower. flower. It does. In fact, I was shocked to learn, and this is from listening to the growing season, that lettuce, iceberg lettuce, makes a yellow flower. It does. I've never seen it. It does. And we also learned that avocado, no, artichoke. Yes. Artichoke makes artichoke a, a weird flower, flower too. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, man, everything about... Your crops and everything are all based on the number of frost-free days and so forth to reach maturities. Therefore, you can harvest, right? Yeah. So these things would take up between uh, any of these Romanescu uh, cauliflowers, for instance. They call it cauliflower or broccoli. They basically take 100 to 120 days to mature. And it likes a slightly acidic, no, sorry, alkaline soil. And they like it well-drained and rich. 
And uh, Matt, Agibium Mom told you, it grows in the subarctic areas as well. So it's something that you could grow even as far north as you could, you could think of. And, cont- and not unlike durian and jackfruit, it doesn't stink. In fact, it has a very nice mild flavor. It's, it's nicer, it's sweeter than cauliflower. It has kind of a nutty flavor to it, too. Yes. Now, the stink part comes afterwards, like, like, like the next morning when uh, the methane. Oh, yes. Yeah. The, yes. Your, yes. your methane. <laughs> methane yes. I will tell you, listen, this is interesting. Maybe my kids are weird, but one of the vegetables that they just jump up and down for is they loved broccoli. They love broccoli. Absolutely so love it. Absolutely love it. In fact, they would, as far as a vegetable, they would probably eat broccoli three times a week. They absolutely love it. Now, the problem is in the morning is nobody needs to set an alarm because <laughs> it sounds like a Model T backfiring. In here, let me tell yes. little, little people, yes. So, Maddie, have you ever heard of a watermelon radish? I have not, but we did hear, what was the one that Julia DeMacos, visit juliademacos.com, she's our veggie guru. Actually, we're going to get her on now coming up, coming up in the next little bit, once a month, just quickly, to have her touch on what exactly she's seeding, because we're now getting into the time of the year where if you're going to be seeding your vegetables, putting seeds down or starting things by seed, this would be the time of the year where you're beginning. So we're going to get her on routinely over the next little bit, probably once a month, little five to 10 minute little hit talking about what's, what she's doing. But she talked about that Brad's atomic grape, right? Remember this thing? It's like this huge tomato, but she was also talking about that. What was it? A cucamelon? Or yeah. Oh, yes. Wow. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Weird. It was actually on our list. Absolutely. Okay. So, sorry. You're talking about a radish, salamander, watermelon, uh, <laughs> rhinoceros? It's a watermelon radish. It's okay. real cute. This is, a, this is a really cute vegetable. Not stinky at all. Okay. It's actually a, it's a variety of a daycom radish, and uh, it came out of China. And the reason they call it the watermelon radish is that it's big. Eh? It, can, it can weigh up to a pound. It's a big radish. Yeah, but mom, has, you know what though? It's not a stinking jackfruit. It's no, not it's sixty thousand. No, no. <laughs> but for a radish, it's pretty darn big. Yeah, and it's a root vegetable, and it has on the outside of it, it has like a green, like the color of a watermelon, kind of green. And then when you cut it open, it's colored like a watermelon inside. It's very pretty, and it's a sweet radish. It's not, you know, like the little red radishes that yeah. we get. This radish is sweet. It's great in salads and that. Uh, it's, it's got a sweet taste, but it's got a, a peppery undertone. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little radish. Yeah, but it's not that little. Isn't it way up to a pound? It can weigh up to a pound. So, and, yeah, okay, I mean, so, the size of a tennis ball, maybe? So this is originating in China. Do we have these here? I've never seen one of these. You can order them on Amazon. <laughs> That's what we were told. You can order them on Amazon. Amazon? Amazon. So the other yeah. thing, speaking of that, is we recently, was it the last show? Yes, where we did the Black Diamond Apples. Okay? And so we've been posting pictures and chatting about this across these gardening forums over Twitter and uh, Facebook, and people are jumping up and down over these, <laughs> over these Black Diamond Apples. We have to get our hands on one of these things. Yeah, we could try. We, we could look for them now. When we researched it, they said you could buy them off of Amazon. Well, I don't know about Amazon. They said that they were actually only import. Like they were, you can buy them like in a box, and there's like seven or eight in a box. So at seven dollars an apple, that's a fairly expensive box. But they would be very interesting to try because supposedly they're super sweet. Okay. But this watermelon radish, it's very good for you. It's okay. Full of. Um, uh, antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals, and it's a great addition to a salad. It's, and it's, it's cute to look at. It's got lots of free radicals, too, there, Matt, so cancer. Yes, that's yeah. right. It's right. Yeah, and again, once the radicals are free, man, it's it's craziness. It's party time. Let them go. That's it. Matt, do we have time to hit rock samphire for a minute? I'm sorry, what? Rock the, samphire. The Samphire. Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Where there's, a, there's a vegetable named after him? No. Oh. No, not a chance. It's a little thing compared to <laughs> Dwayne. Yeah. Compared to Dwayne. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's get into the the fruit or vegetable named after the rock. So, Maddie, this thing here is a. It grows in coasted area areas. It has like white flowers, that kind of I think. Yeah. Kind of thing going on. It, you would see it a lot in the United Kingdom, the Isle of Man, that kind of idea. Okay. And uh, it grows in coastal areas like, say, in Australia and so forth, even, say, zones five through nine. So something you would probably grow 
in uh, in Edinburgh. In Edinburgh, where you're <laughs> doing a design for. Ah. But, but Maddie, what is really cool? It, this thing is abundantly found on, say, shorelines, marshy shallows, that kind of thing, salty mud flaps, and so forth. Did I say flaps or flat? <laughs> you just you said, flat. said salty. <laughs> it's flat. Okay. I know. Look, look. I mean, it, like on the list of things that could be a joke, salty mud flaps. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, yeah. Like. <laughs> you, you, uh, yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but Maddie, it's it's a it's an apiaceae family. Okay, so right. it's uh, it include things like fennels, carrots, that kind of idea. Okay. But Matt, here's really the cool thing. It is basically a, a mini cactus, okay, that's rich in aromatic oils. But here's the thing. It, it, oh, I said here's the thing again. Ooh. But anyways, oh, I'm getting bad. But Matt, vitamin A, C, B2, B, D as well, and all sorts of things like uh, it has uh, high levels of iodine, iron, calcium, magnesium, silica. So in other words, it's about everything but the kitchen sink. But Matt, here's a big one. So if you were trying to grow this, in your own garden, let's say, which, yeah. by the way, is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. So there's a real trick to actually keeping it alive in your garden. What is that, Lynn? When you water it. Yeah. Okay. So for every pint of water you're giving it, now I would imagine this thing you'd want in a pot, okay? For every pint of water you give it, you have to add one teaspoon of sea salt. What? Yeah. Well, because, listen, like this Yeah, it's a salty mud flap. I mean, come on, you have to. Yeah, have. yeah. It's like this <laughs> mud flap. It's yeah. a salty <laughs> mud flap. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow, it, it needs the salt. Now, hold on so a second. you wait, have wait, to wait, water wait. it with sea salt. But it, Not regular it, table salt, sea salt. It, it has to be the same as what it's used to, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on a second. Hold on. So, But it demands sea salt? What happens if you yeah. use regular iodized salt? It, it will say. die. It will die. It'll die? Yes. Yeah, because it already has a lot of iodine in it, yes. naturally. Yes. Yeah. But, Matt, huh. it, it's supposed to, it looks very much like a miniature uh, asparagus. Asparagus, yes. Yeah. And, Matt, they say that it has a warm, aromatic, and somewhat sulfurous taste. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, what? It's, it's slightly <laughs> aromatic and sulfurous? Sulfurous. Because I, I was going to say, you know, <laughs> it's... When you said it looks like, I was going to like, wow, it's a, it's a salty mud it's flap. Like, right? Something like an onion, I would yeah, imagine, Matthew, because yeah. onions are high in sulfur. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. It's got a slightly, yeah, sulfurous taste. <laughs> oh, yeah. boy. Okay, yeah. Okay, it, also, too, it, it, it thrives when it's watered with saline solution. Now, again, you guys are saying that this has got to be, yeah. okay, so... <laughs> So are you talking that you got to go out and get, like, bags of intravenous saline to water your stinking plants? I know, plants? that's the first thing I thought. No, you, like I said, you can make you can make it at home. Okay. For every pint of water, put in a teaspoon of sea salt, and it'll be happy. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. That's right. your time like. Okay, we have three minutes. I want to get to, we have to get to either noni or dragon fruit. Got to pick one okay. of these things. Okay, well, we kind of flip back to, okay, we can yeah, flip back. Fine. Nothing says we can't, right? Yeah, I mean, because especially the dragon fruit, this thing looks weird. That's a wild-looking <laughs> wild looking piece of fruit, yes? Yes, yes. What, the dragon fruit? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Okay, this is part of the Pitea family, or Pitahea. Yeah, and it's a cactus. Yeah. No, it's, 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 the, it's the fruit of a cactus. And so this just comes to me now. At some point, we have to get into, we have to get into the, like, if we're going to do cacti, we got to talk about peyote. Like, you guys know what, because that's a, that's a narcotic. Like, it's like, it's like a hallucinogen, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But Matt, this thing's been on Earth for 20 to 25 million years. So this thing has been definitely is a survivor, Matt. But it it generally you it would grow five to ten feet range in height, okay, that kind of idea. Okay. And the thing is that it has multiple colors as far as the fruit. The flesh can either be let me think here for some of them are pink skinned, other ones might be white flesh, some of them are red flesh. So there are multiple flesh, some of them even purple. Okay, so but the actual uh, juice itself that you would get off them or the, the fruit is actually quite tasty, they say. And it's a low-calorie fruit that contains less sugar and fewer carbs than most of your tropical fruits. So. And, they, and it's named for this, Mom, because of the it, the, it looks like, a, like dragon skin, right? Like yeah, it's, it looks like dragon skin. It's got those funny 
long things coming yeah. off. The other name for it is strawberry pear. And it tastes like a combination of a kiwi and a pear. So it would be quite tasty. And actually, when you cut it open, the the inside is this uh, kind of pulpy white stuff with yeah. flecked with little black seeds. Yeah. Now, what's really interesting is its flowers are yellowish green, and they only bloom at night. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. So they're pollinated by the night shifts, so bats and moths, because the heat in the day, Mexico and Central America, is too intense for the flowers, so they only bloom at night. And that is a wonderful place to press pause. All right. And that, as they say, is that. Now, next week, guys, we are not continuing with weird. Yes? Well, yeah. kind of. <laughs> no, weird in a different area of your body, I That's think. It. Yeah, yeah, weird in a wonderful area of your body. Absolutely. <laughs> Next week uh, on our show, we're pleased to be rejoined by Mr. Chris Culinary of Culinary Wines. Visit culinarywines.com. And he's going to be chatting with us. It was part two of our conversation that we had with him over the holiday season. He taught, he chatted for so long that we were able to break it up into two parts. He's going to be talking about the winery. But we're also going to be doing the part two to our Sexy Plants show. This is a show that many, many people were highly interested in and had been begging for a sequel. So mom and dad are going to be going um, going around looking for the things that will put the eggplant in your pants. You know what I'm saying, guys? The, the tilt in your tilt. Or the, <laughs> the carrot. T- the, t- the carrot <laughs> and to share it. Yes, anything that rhymes. The rise in your Levi's. <laughs> Yes, all of those things next week. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Click on Show Bits. That's the visual accompaniment to the show. Every show is podcasted there as well as, as you can find the podcasted version of the Growing Season on News Talks like the 960s website. Uh, also to GrowingSeasonCanada.com for all of your horticultural needs, whether it be landscape design, consult, and then coming up install. She's Lynn, he's Jack, I'm Matt. And before we go, we always exit the same way. Guys, what do you get when two peas fight? No idea, Matthew. No. Black Eyed Peas. Let's get ready to rumble! (laughs) (laughs) Mom? You're getting better. Yes, that's cute. Till next time, have a good one, and please be safe. Jack, out. If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs.